So at a, a retreat like this with a group this size, I, I, I think I'm talking to at least three groups. I think there's some that have probably never heard of discipleship, uh, or at least you've not yet been engaged in the process. Uh, we probably have some that have been discipled or are being discipled. You've not yet got another guy for yourself yet. And then uh, I know we have some guys that are actively involved in discipleship and, and doing what I would call modeling it. So uh, my hope is that, you certainly don't need to raise your hands or anything, but kind of think about which, which one of those groups you fall in tonight uh, and uh, evaluate what it means to take the next steps in these areas. Uh, I'm definitely not <clears throat> going to try to convince you that any particular method is correct, uh, but try to lay out what it means to have an ongoing uh, discipleship lifestyle. And like, uh, like Justin was talking about this morning, it, it, that lifestyle is what gives us, gives us our purpose. And uh, that's, that's what we'll kind of focus on tonight. Few, uh, as Trevor said earlier, few of these concepts are my own. They've uh, been modeled for me, and I've just stolen them and tried to implement them into my own life. And uh, I'll try to share with you guys how I've done that. And uh, lastly, I, I invite and, and probably need your interaction, so don't uh, hesitate to ask questions or, or interact uh, with me tonight. So with that, let me uh, say a quick prayer, and then we'll, we'll get started. Lord Jesus, uh, we are nothing without you. And uh, just ask that you join us tonight and uh, give me uh, your words to help all of us be uh, more so the men that you want us to be and uh, do your work and uh, be your disciples and uh, spread your love. In your name I pray. Amen. So... I'll start with uh, a quick little, I guess, mini testimony of kind of how I got exposed to some of this craziness. Um, my parents came to Christ when I was probably eight or nine, and around the age of 10, um, they were, I was 10, they were discipled and they began discipling others. So this concept began to be modeled for me at a very young age. I'm pretty sure at some point back then my dad asked me to meet with him. I'm pretty sure I did. None of it stuck. None of it meant anything to me at the time. So we'll fast forward like 12 or 13 years, <laughs> come back from college, and he asked me to meet with him again. Uh, couldn't, didn't see that coming. <laughs> couldn't tell you why. I took him up on the offer, and uh, everything changed. So I had no idea what I was doing, but I started to meet with my younger brother, my roommate at the time, my boss at the time, and uh, just started to do it. And I guess you could say I've been trying to do uh, this discipleship lifestyle ever since. So that's kind of who I am and why I, um, I guess, feel excited to talk to you guys about this. So 
that idea of reproduction, Trevor talked about it earlier, um, leads right into this idea of what is it. Uh, so discipleship is um, part of E squared, I believe. It's um, a big part of the edification piece of it. It, uh, at times, is a very formal process. We've talked a bit about that, and we'll talk some more about that tonight. But I, I also think it's, um, it's just an informal, ongoing lifestyle that, um, that we live. And, and we'll talk about both of those angles tonight. It's part of God's strategy for reaching people with the gospel and giving them his word. Uh, but just as importantly, it's investing into another's life developing relationships, and uh, each one of those is, is truly uniquely special. We've heard uh, some really cool examples of that already this weekend with some of these testimonies of just what these relationships can really do in people's, in people's lives. It's truly a, a one-man-at-a-time approach, but as Trevor showed earlier in his PowerPoint, it, it, it does become a multiplication effect and uh, when it's done right, it's almost uh, it's almost like a pyramid scheme, right? Um, it just keeps keeps branching down. So before I dive into the process, let me uh, quickly define, or I guess redefine from earlier, what a disciple is. Uh, so James is going to do uh, some scripture reading for us tonight. Uh, so James, if you could read those those first two passages for us. John eight thirty one to 32 If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Luke chapter 6, verse 40. A pupil or disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. So like, uh, I think Trevor, we probably stole the same definition at some point, but a disciple is a learner and a follower. Uh, it's one that continues to learn uh, by continuing to pursue the word of God, continuing to be teachable, and looking at their examples for training. Uh, in that six, Luke 640 in the NASB, that word training is, um, I'll have to excuse my Greek, but uh, that's the NASB's translation of katartizo, and the word means mending, repairing, equipping, adjusting, preparing, strengthening, perfecting, completing, making one what it ought to be. And as I thought about what discipleship is, I, I couldn't come up with a better definition than that myself. So that's kind of how uh, I'm defining a disciple and, and what this process is trying to do here. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the process now. It's, uh, I, I would des- describe it as we're leading another man through either scripture or uh, a set of material on a formal, consistent, one-on-one time basis. Um, I personally use um, the ministry and the marketplace material that Trevor talked about earlier. I know uh, a lot of guys here use that as well. And I know there's other good materials out there, too. Um, and, and Trevor hit on some of this, but it, that material to me is ideal because it, it really is just a conversation starter. It's going to lead you and the guy through so many critical topics. It's going to 
lead you down so many other conversations that um, you really don't even know what's coming most of the time. So uh, it, it really does hit on a lot of important biblical topics and concepts. Uh, James, if you could read the, uh, the two First Thessalonians 2 passages real quick. Sure. First Thessalonians 2, 7 to 8 says, But we prove to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. And then uh, verses 11 to 12 say, just as, you know, just, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So we take someone under our wing as a parent would a, a child, and we begin to guide them towards Christ. These verses kind of lay out some steps. We care for them. We develop affection for them. We impart the gospel to them. We give our lives to them. We teach and encourage them. And uh, undoubtedly, they'll become very, very dear to us. So some of my thoughts are stolen thoughts, a little bit of both. On the formal process, um, Trevor said this one earlier as well. You begin to meet with a man with, with two stolen rules um, that either of us can quit at any time. I think, um, as I've thought about this, the, mo the critical objectives, uh, especially early on when you're meeting with a guy, are to change our thinking, change our life, and then eventually pass the process on to others. And um, as I've gained experience, I guess, I, I try to talk about that more often and earlier on so that they understand what the, the purpose of this is in the long run, which is to eventually get another guy and, and reproduce and multiply. Uh, per, some of these are just personal thoughts here. I, be, I believe the process is most beneficial when it's, it's question-driven in both directions. You know, Mike, I think you, that was your definition of thinking earlier, right? Um, so you're, we're really almost just thinking on the Bible with a guy. It's, it's, it's really not that much more than that. Um, as the leader, we're asking and inviting questions. Uh, we're not, we're teaching at times, but we're not preaching. We're not trying to create someone to think like us. Um, we're really trying to just get them into the scripture uh, for themselves. And it, I've found, and you know, again, Trevor, I think mentioned this earlier, you, you kind of have two different guys or a, a blend of guys. You have guys that want to go through it very academically. You kind of can get through a lot of questions very quickly, and other guys just pour their life out or life falls apart and you feel like you never get to the material. And I don't know that either one is right or wrong or better or worse. You just deal with the guy where he's at and, and love on him and, and um, invest into him. And the, the one, one thing I'd add on the, that my wife and I have talked a bit about what do we do with someone that just, they're just answering the question and we're not getting anything else out of them. We're not able to pull more out of them. And we've tried to come up with some more open-ended questions on our own to really get people to open up and um, I guess share more and not just 
work through it like a Sunday school quiz almost. But I've found as eventually guys tend to open up and really, really interact with you as you as you move through the material together. Uh, let's see. Talked about some of this stuff, Trevor. All questions are valid, um, and we're not going to have the answers to all of them, uh, but we'll work together to obtain an answer. And to me, these are great situations because it's a great way to point a guy back to Scripture and show him uh, how we might study or how we might approach uh, a situation where we don't know the answer. We don't know what the Bible says about something. So um, let, let's look at it together. Let's see what the Bible says. And um, really, that's how we discover truth. That's how we figure out what, what truth is. And uh, I, I think that's a very critical piece of this process. It's getting a guy to learn to do that for himself. And uh, by asking them questions, we, we force them to discover what the Bible says about things and get in there, uh, see what it says about a topic, study it for themselves, come back to me uh, with what you find, and um, we can go over that together. And as we do all this, we're teaching uh, the fundamentals of the Christian faith, things like the authority of Scripture. We're getting them to have a general understanding of Scripture, um, you know, trying to ensure, I guess, some accuracy with what they think. Uh, for anyone that's done it before, you know, or if you haven't done it, think of yourself. You come at God and the Bible with um, your own understanding of what that looks like, and it's been influenced by a lot of different things. It's uh, it's what you've thought. It's how you were raised. It's maybe a church you've gone to. It's another person you respect, Um all these different inputs affect how someone views Scripture and God at that, at that given time. And so what we have to do sometimes is almost like gently unwind their thinking, uh, not to get them to think like us, but to get them to think biblically. And uh, that, that can be a process with some guys. Um, I think it's okay to to share our convictions as we go through this, but I also think it's important to let them conclude their own, uh, get them to go out, study it for themselves, um, make their own conclusions about what the Bible says about things. And that leads them to self-feed, self-discover, uh, think biblically for themselves, and eventually hopefully transition to um, being someone that's on, in an ongoing manner studying the Bible uh, for themselves, and you know, for me, one thing I do with anybody that's been in that process for a while, and I um, get the sense that they're ready to study, which usually is something like, "Hey, I think I'd like to join a study." Um, then my light bulb goes off to invite them to a more in-depth, maybe uh, periodic study that I might be involved in, and get them a little bit deeper on their own. And uh, lastly here, we're, we're modeling biblical disciplines for these guys all along. So um, hopefully we're modeling how to be leaders in our home. How are we prioritizing uh, the ministry in our life? Are we making it a priority in our own schedule? Are we holding them accountable? Are we allowing them to hold us accountable to the things that, uh, that we're saying? And, and all those things um, 
kind of go into that. So let me pause there and see if there's any, I guess, questions or interactions on any of the formal formal process. Um, in these, uh, in generally what you would lead uh, a new uh, or, or somebody that you're approaching, you're working with a new disciple, how do you typically approach the subject of baptism um, and taking communion in those first uh, meetings? The subject of baptism definitely has, I guess, come up more than communion for me personally. Um, and I guess it's it's twofold on the the baptism front. There's um, one of two situations. One is a guy, well, I guess one of three, a guy's been baptized and they're comfortable with it. Um, they've never been baptized and they want to talk about why, how, when type of thing. Or a guy was baptized, but they're uncomfortable with it. They um, use myself as an example, baptized as a kid. And when I made the decision for myself, I realized that didn't mean anything. And I needed to, um, you know, go and be baptized again. So uh, I I approach it as it's uh, it's a command. And as soon as you feel ready to do so, um, let's do it. Uh, that could um, be anybody. It could be me, I suppose, if you want me to do it for you. Um, but let's profess that and, and, and execute that. Um, in terms of communion, um, I guess... You know, if they're involved in a local church, they're probably participating in it there. And if they're not, um, I've, I've never had anybody say, I'm, I'm not around it and I need it. Uh, but I, I guess I would suggest to them to uh, find an avenue to, to partake in that. Seem fair? Any other questions or thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Hassan? So you find, find that avenue. How do you do that? I mean... For communion? No, for, for, for like baptism. I mean, where, where do you go? Do you, do you do it yourself? I've done it in a shower. Yeah, we've, at our Monday night, done and we've baptized a guy in the shower. Um, that just wanted to do it, you know. So, um, what? I, yeah, I mean, it can look a lot of different ways. If someone wanted to get, I don't know if we're allowed to use that lake, but um, you know, this weekend you could get baptized if you wanted to, right? So, it's a matter. You know, some people want to do it through a church. Other people want to do it. Other people want to have their families there, and there's different environments to do it in. I think. I'm just saying, wouldn't the disciple actually do that if that's what they, if that person wanted them to do it? Absolutely. If the person, yeah, if the person wanted me to do it, I'd, I'd do it. Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. So, 
as we spend time in this over time, people will, I think, come and go out of this formal process. Um, you know, Trevor put one to two years approximately up there earlier. I, I think that's about average or right. Um, and I'll typically maintain that meeting on their terms. So if we finish ministry in the marketplace and they want to do something else or do one of those other million books on the table back there, I'll keep doing uh, things with them if they'd like or if they're ready to go off on their own, then um, I'll, I, I slide them into the informal informal section, which we'll talk about in a minute here. Uh, but I do think most guys stay in it for a couple years, uh, and then they tend to transition out of it. So uh, with that, when that formal schedule ends, I think it's really important, and we'll spend some time talking about this, that we stay committed to those people. We stay involved in their lives. And um, this is where the giving of our life to people really takes over, and it's primarily time, uh, but it's really whatever they need. Um, that's a question I think I find myself asking those those guys in that space is just let me let me know what you need and uh, try to do it for them. And it uh, it can get costly. It's it's really is um, you know. We've, we've talked a lot about love and costs and all that already this weekend. It, it, it is the really the putting aside of what I want and how I want to use my time and giving it to somebody else and using it for them in a, a way I naturally would not want to use it. Um, you know, I, I do think if we put some time into it, we, we do start to realize the benefit of it and we we do start to maybe realize how how costly it would be to to stop as well. So there is kind of that balance there. James, could you read uh, the John 13, 34, and 35 verse? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So we know we are his disciples if we have love for one another, and um, it's a verse we've all heard. These relationships give us uh, unbelievable opportunities to love people. We've heard, I mean, Craig, I think, nailed um, that concept last night. And we've just heard some really good examples already of what that can look like. Uh, and it is not always easy or enjoyable but it is in incredibly valuable. And James, how about the Luke fourteen twenty six? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So, you know, what does that verse mean? I, I think it means Jesus is just saying we have to be willing to give up everything to be his disciples, and these, uh, like I said before, these relationships can be hard. They can give us situations that um, I don't enjoy, uh, or as I've found, I don't even know what to do or say or what advice to give. And um, as I think about that and evaluate how God wants me to use my time, I'm not sure there are many better uses of it uh, for me personally, and I'll talk a little bit, a little bit more about that. 
in a bit. But what this means for us is we're checking in on them, we're encouraging them, we're providing them with whatever they need or desire from us. Uh, we're living life with, I mean, these are, as we've already established this weekend, these are just relationships that God has given us, and we're just living life with these people. Uh, the material is good. We can learn a lot from it, but it's never about completing the material. It's never about get this done and move on to the next guy. It's about uh, living life with with these relationships. And um, when guys are willing, I've, I've found it very beneficial to find common interests and do things outside of even just going through the material. So, um, you know, some guys we've shared a, um, shared running together. So we'll go on some runs. Um, we'll, you know, some guys like sports, maybe we'll watch a game together or we'll get the families together or invite them to larger gatherings for fellowship and just integrate them into our lives and um, hopefully show them uh, what it means to continue to grow, grow in Christ. And what has really... Um, continues to jump out to me is just how much people need these relationships. I mean, you hear it in these testimonies, the people need it. <laughs> um, there's an immediate level of love and respect uh, when no matter what is going on in someone's life, the, the marriage problems, um, loss of a job, uh, lawsuits. I mean, I, I feel like the scenarios um, just go on and on. And I guess I continue to be surprised how quickly they'll just come to this relationship because of the trust and perspective. And for some guys, they don't have anywhere else to go. Um, and they really are special in that way. I, you know, a quick story about surprises. I started to meet with a guy not long ago, and he had just lost his job before we started meeting. And uh, his attitude was amazing throughout but when he got a new job he reached out to me so thankful and excited and just for going through it with him and praying I, I felt like I'd done nothing but it, it almost just shocked me the emphasis that that relationship has on somebody in such short order and um, know that that God will give us an opportunity to have that type of impact is is a really powerful thing um and, and the flip side of that coin is it's not always positive news or situations. It's it's phone calls of um, disaster and um, being willing to deal with that and lovingly walk a guy through that has been um, just really good to stretch me and it will stretch anyone that will go through that process in ways that you wouldn't get, um, you wouldn't grow otherwise. So um, with that, let me, pause again and see if anyone's got any questions or interactions at this point and then we'll keep moving along. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you have young kids. I do. They're very young. So as someone who also has young kids, how do you incorporate, you talked about maybe you're going to get to this with time. Um, so sort of two questions. One, how do you incorporate that into your schedule given the demands and then two um, are there any practical ways that you've involved your wife in this especially when you first got going 
uh, to potentially get her to the place where she's also discipling women? Yeah, those are two good questions. Um, I guess the first one, um, I guess, I mean, I had the, the benefit of doing it for a while before I had them. Um, and as I'll answer in your second question, um, my wife and I have a mutual understanding of that challenge and agree that it's, we have to figure out how to make that work. So, um, when I'm, when I schedule my time, even on like a week to week basis, my number one driver of my schedule is those meetings. Um, and that may not be the same for everybody, but schedule wise for me, it is. So, um, I'll, I'll schedule those. I'll work when I'm going to work. I'm going to get my study time in and, and, um, I guess it's important to still make sure I'm having enough time with them. And maybe more importantly for me at least is when I'm with them, have it be quality time and not be distracted by those other things. If I'm giving them quality time, I think that's really uh, beneficial as well. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a challenge. You know, whether you have no kids yet, you're single, you've got young kids, old kids, like life is going to be busy at all seasons. And it, I, I think it just has to be a priority no matter where we're at in life or we just, we just won't do it. Um, for me, a huge benefactor, and that is your second question, which is a wife that, one, does it herself, and two, wants me to be doing this more than anything else. Um, and I was blessed to not have to work very hard at getting her there. And I know that's a, it's a huge challenge for a lot of guys. And, um, it's something I talk about with guys in this process frequently. Um, I don't have a magic answer to it. I don't every, I can barely figure out my own wife and I definitely can't figure out these two little girls, but so I'm not going to try to figure out everybody else's wife, but one thing I would say is like modeling it is is the only thing I would say universally would would be my suggestion. Um, tell her this is a priority and that you're going to do it, and then do it and see what happens. Um, and most of the guys that uh, have modeled it for me and been examples for me have wives that drag them through life. So, um, see what happens with that. But those are two really important questions. Yeah. Yes, the kids are better than the sons. (laughs) Jason, one of the questions that I have is uh, what I experience in, and just want to speak on it to the group as well as as I invest into people's lives, I've learned the value on how it, the uh, personal effect that it has on my own life and the concept of 
we invest in other people's lives, it takes our minds off our own issues and our own lives. And I want to touch on that a little bit with you and see what your thoughts are. Are you asking about then like our own issues almost? Yeah. Um, I'll hit on that. It's a good question. And I think um, I'll talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Um, yeah, I th you're probably going to get into this, but I think it might be a, a good tee-up question. Uh, there's there's so many different ways to do discipleship, uh, so many methods, so many so much material. But I also see some people who oversimplify it, and who are like, you know, discipleship is just spending extra time in the name of Jesus, or it's you know being one step ahead and headed in the right direction, or it's you know you know things like that. Yeah. But that doesn't ever really translate into action um, or specific action. So I wonder what the what the right balance is. Yeah, I don't know that I know the answer to that. But to me, that's that's where the material probably does come into play. It gives you um, some type of track, right? Um, I mean, there there could be guys where like that material doesn't get touched for months, and as long as those meetings and conversations are beneficial to him then i'm i'm good with that but eventually it, it, if 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 the issues are serious i don't want to rush out of it if it's the same like my job stinks conversation then like eventually maybe let's get into the material and, and maybe grow in scripture then maybe your perspective on your job might change so there's a ba there is a balance. Um, each one of us is going to do that differently on our end, and each guy is going to dictate a little bit differently what that's going to look like. But um, probably best to asking God if you're struggling with it. What you know, God, how do you want me to approach this guy today with this time we have, and see what happens. Yeah. Well, thanks for the, the interaction, guys. Um, so let's move on to who does it. Um, we've we've talked about this, and it'll be a brief answer. You can probably guess what it is. But if you recall, in J uh, James read John eight thirty one earlier, it said, "If you continue in my word, then you're truly disciples of mine." So, you know, who do we think he's talking to there? I think we would all. Agree, he is talking to all of us to continue in his word. Therefore, um, we're, we should be disciples of his. So the answer to who does it is, I guess, everyone. And uh, that means we need to be continuing his word, growing in him, uh, being disciples of his, making disciples, teaching them, investing in them. All that is part of this process. And... The why, I think, speaks universally to everyone as well. Uh, so we've got, I've got a, a few reasons. The first of which, it's, it's a command. Um, James, if you want to go ahead and read those next two verses. We've heard them already this weekend, but... Matthew twenty-eight nineteen to 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and, the, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
and then 2 Timothy 2.2, and the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So we, we have hit on this. I, I think to the point of it's going to look different for everybody, the command is, I think, to, to figure out what disciple-making is going to look like for you um, and then do it. <laughs> so if, you know, I know for a lot of us, this the model that has been kind of presented throughout the weekend is what we've seen over time. We, you, it works for us. If it's different for you, I think that can be okay, but make sure that you, you're sticking to the biblical principles of, of what this disciple-making should be and make sure that you're doing it. Um, the next reason I came up with was to follow examples in Scripture. So, James, those, if you can read Matthew 9, 9, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, and 2 Timothy three fourteen for us. Matthew 9, 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul writes, Be imitators of me, just as, also, just as I also am of Christ. And 2 Timothy 3.14 says, You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become, and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. So, we see Matthew trying to follow Christ's example. Paul tries to <clears throat> imitate Christ and... He looks to pass that along. So this imitating and passing along, um, I don't think is anything that any of us came up with. It's example, uh, exemplified here in Scripture. So uh, as we said before, everyone should be disciple-making because um, it's both commanded and exemplified. And lastly, I, I do think there is, um, to Micah's talk on reward earlier, there's great benefit for us in doing this. Um, if we aren't disciple making, we're missing out on um, we're missing out on the love. We're missing out on the rewards. We're missing out on all the other talks we've already heard this weekend. And um, these relationships put us in situations that we otherwise would not be in. Um, and it's easier, <laughs> but the, the benefit is, is not going to be the same. Um, you know, as you were talking earlier, Micah, the, 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 the process of doing this is, is for us. It, it, it's for the discipler. The person that we're leading, um, they're growing and they're getting something out of it. But we, we do do this because it's in our own best interest. And it's, um, you know, as you talk about laying up, Treasure. I, I don't know that there are, um, you know, talk about East Square. There's really no other more direct ways to lay up um, these precious things. You talk about precious things earlier. These relationships are those things. These are the, the things we should be investing in. Um, and that, to me, that's the greatest benefit of being uh, involved in this process. So um, let me... Pause there for a second and see if we've got any interaction. Yeah. Yeah, you can either answer this or anybody else who has a microphone, but 
I'm just reading Acts chapter 8, you know, on the, on the Ethiopian and Philip being swept by the Holy Spirit to go to the eunuch over there. He's traveling. He's reading the book of Isaiah. So I read it as the fact that the eunuch was reading. He wanted to know who they were talking about. He gets saved and he gets baptized. So there was no discipleship there to me. So, but yet the Holy Spirit of Jesus before he left commanded his disciples to go out and make disciples. And here Philip is just bringing salvation to this guy and then baptizing him and then that was it. So my thing is, is like if discipleship wasn't there, you know, the command isn't just only, hey, make disciples. I mean, it is to go out and share the gospel. and Yeah. And so, you know, I'm just, you know, anybody wants to tackle on top of that too. So, cause yeah. I, was, it, I, I mean, didn't know. Yeah. And, and that's why I would say it's, um, it's a piece of E squared. It's a piece of edification. It's, um, it's not the whole picture, but, um, I mean, th- to me, uh, you know, I guess for me personally, like I would meet one-on-one with anybody that wanted to, whether it's someone who I led to Christ or a guy I met at work that, goes to church or a guy meeting a Bible study that just wants to meet one-on-one and grow. So those can, they can start in, in any, in any manner. Um, but certainly if we, if we lead, if we lead someone, I mean, what an opportunity to start from, from scratch with somebody. Yeah. Yep. Um, I just had a quick comment. Um, an observation I've had of myself is some of the times when I've done the most learning um, of any sort of material was when I was put in a position of having to teach that material to another person and just having to do the prep work, I had to quickly become an expert on that subject, either to teach somebody else a point of scripture or something. Un- undoubtedly for me as well, yeah. Anyone else? So I wanted to go back over something you said just a moment ago that it is more in, in the self-interest of the discipler rather than the, the disciple when you're you know, discipling somebody. And I just wanted to, to know if you could elaborate a little bit on the difference between self-interest and selfishness. Yeah. Um, I know not everyone was in here when Jerry talked about that in his breakout earlier, but um, I mean, to me, the the difference is Self-interest means usually doing what I don't want to do. And selfishness probably usually means doing what I want to do. Um, So use a discipleship, for instance. Um, If I've got a meeting with a guy at 6 in the morning, I'd rather sleep in. I'd rather stay up and watch the game and sleep in. Um, I think most of us would in our, our normal being. So it it becomes the idea that I change my thinking to want to do the things that is actually in my, my best interest or self-interest. And so, uh, I don't know if I'm answering your question well or not, but to me that that's the distinction. Um, selfishness would be doing what I want. Self-interest would be doing what's best for the other person or for the relationship. 
the effect of that is it's in reality best for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'd like to think that <clears throat> doing this is very beneficial for the other side. They're growing. Um, if they, if they em, embrace this and reproduce themselves, there's not a guy here doing that that wouldn't tell you that completely changed their life and was one of the best things that ever happened to them. Um, so it can be very beneficial to them. But doing it and being the discipler, if you will, um, it becomes our fuel. It's our purpose. We talked about it. it's our it's our purpose um, to be guiding guys through that. Yep. Something that I I found to be really helpful is to go to a guy and ask him if he'd be willing to help me get through the Bible. You know that. Uh, I hate it when people talk down to me, and I damn sure don't want anybody discipling me. You know, that sounds irritating to me. I just, you know, I mean, but if you want to read the Bible with me, then great. You know what I mean? I'd be open to that. But I'm I'm not saying that every guy you're going to run into is going to be a hardhead like I am. But I, you know, I I've just found it very uh, disarming. You're talking about the initial ask almost? To yeah, if, to you're, yeah, if you yeah. go to a guy and just say, hey, I'm I'm working on some stuff, and it would be helpful for me if you'd be open to meeting with me and go through it. If you get something yep. out of it, then we'll throw a parade, and if you don't, that's cool too. Yeah, and so. I, along those lines, I mean, I, especially if a guy maybe is a, a believer already, like if a, if a guy's a brand-new Christian, he's like, I don't, I don't know anything. I need you to – I need you to – teach me right but if someone that um, is a believer or, or thinks they are then I think you do that you try to kind of come alongside and say hey let's do this together and you either find one of two things you either are working on it together sharpening each other or maybe the guy realizes like oh I didn't I actually didn't know anything and you kind of get to start from scratch with with that guy as well too. But yeah, any way you can um, sell a guy on getting involved, I, I would be on board with you. Yeah. I do these camps every summer with these kids, foster kids, and one of the things that we like to do is we want to invite the kids to uh, do uh, our Bible study in the morning. Um, but a lot of these kids don't want to do any of that stuff. You know, that's just not their lifestyle or they have an interest. And so I found that um, through this learning process that it's easier to invite um, than to, um, you know, do it in a way of, hey, let's, uh, let's create this study program together uh, because that could be intimidating. You know, they feel, they feel like they're, they're now having to commit to this. And one of the cool things that Clean Freak really teaches is, um, hey, why don't you do this, do this with me? You know, as opposed to um, bossing them and, and giving them that direction, yeah. but doing it with us. And so I found that it is really easier to just invite them, um, doing it, um, doing what you're already doing. And then from there, um, if they want to do more, you know, open up, hey, this is what I have, uh, if you're interested. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, and Trevor gave another good example of that earlier of like, hey, this book is four meetings, it takes four weeks, and you don't have to commit to a year or two, or two timeline out the gate. Um, what percentage did you say 80% want to continue on? So you said, I, I think that's probably about right. <laughs> um, some guys will, you know, they may bail before the first book's over, and that that's okay. Um, but the ones that are going to stick with it are going to say, what's next, what's what's more, and you, you keep moving along with them. Anything else? So let's move along to how to do it. We've... We've talked um, a fair amount about that tonight and throughout the weekend. Um, you know, the ministry and the, the marketplace materials, I think a relatively specific approach. Um, that's kind of how it's been modeled uh, for me and how what I've tried to do. Um, but what, what I'd kind of like to focus on is go back to those three groups we talked about in the introduction and just kind of talk about how to take the next step uh, of development, depending on what, which of those groups you may find yourself in tonight. So um, if we don't recall, that's you need to be discipled, you need to disciple others, or um, you're already modeling it. So if you're in the f- first group and you need to be discipled, this means um, you obviously haven't done this yet, which is okay. So... I think the next step is obvious. You you start by meeting with someone. And I I would encourage anybody that hasn't done that yet to not leave here this weekend without asking somebody to do that. There are um, a lot of guys here that would be, I know, more than willing to meet with with any of you. So um, talk to who brought you or... um, Somebody who's spoken will get you connected with somebody for sure. Um, to your question earlier, Chris, about um, you paying attention over there, um, <laughs> having that having that ongoing mentor in your life, right? Um, I caught you. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think um, like being discipled is not. Like, okay, I made it through the books, I checked that box, and now I'm a discipler, and I don't, I'm not being discipled. Um, and honestly, it's something I've had to, or I've reevaluated at times in my life and, and gone out and reached out to individuals to, like, try to come under them and, like, have that influence in my life. Um, because I, I don't think we grow or mature out of that. I think we continue to need that. Um, does that answer your, where you were going with that or go ahead and follow well, up? Well, it's twofold. So I agree. I continue to want to be mentored and mm-hmm. uh, continue to grow in that because that relationship has been a staple for me in the guidance. But now as I start growing in my own and discipling other men, you know, living with a lot of regrets and weaknesses we all have different weaknesses in our lives and challenges. As I start investing into other people's lives, it seems like God takes care of those weaknesses for me. Uh, becomes easier, and discipling men becomes 
an addiction almost to a point. And I don't know if that's a, um, now I'm growing that same question, but for you, yeah. is there, does this, does the cycling take away some of your personal struggles, weaknesses, and I got you. Yeah, I mean, seek first his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And to me, that's that in spades. If I'm pursuing what he wants me to pursue, he tends to, I mean, it's not, you know, he tends to take care of those things, right? Um, the other thing is, yeah, these problems I hear make my problems <laughs> small. Um, and put them into perspective. Yeah, so, so just to kind of share with the group, they, I live with clinical depression. And having, having other men to be able to invest into and, and share things, you know, share my life with, share my personal struggles with, it gives me, it's twofold. It, it helps me give an example and as well as letting the gentleman know that, that this helps me and I'm getting more out of this. And you continue to grow, and you just kind of develop a trusting relationship at the same time. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of what I was going to say. Do you feel the same thing? Is that absolutely? Yeah, I think you're dead on. I guess it wasn't Q and A time. I was just following up with you, right? Um, so step two, you need to disciple others. Um, either you've finished meeting with someone or you're in the process of it. Um, I think Justin gave a really good example of this this morning, uh, but I'll reiterate it. Just look for one guy. Um, You just need to start with one. So you're asking God for one. You're praying for one. Um, Maybe you get a guy here this weekend. Um, Like anything else in life, I, I think the biggest challenge here is just getting started doing that first one. Um, and I do want to talk for a minute about adequacy because I do think that's probably our biggest challenge with getting started is we feel inadequate. Um, so, James, if you can read uh, those next three short ones for us. Second Corinthians 3, 5. Not, we, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. Second Timothy 3.17, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And Luke 12.12, 12, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that, in that very hour what you ought to say. So the truth is we are inadequate. Um, that God continues to make that very obvious to me for myself. Um, but as we, you know, Trevor put fat up there earlier, if we're faithful and available um, to the opportunities he'll give us, he'll, he'll use us um, and he'll provide the adequacy. Uh, and that's where these relationships, you know, I talked about, um, you know, to the point of why is it in my best interest, these situations put me in a spot where I have to be dependent. I have to grow. I have to rely on him because I don't know what to do, and I'm not adequate to fix people's lives. So only God can do that, and that's all part of this process. Uh, 
It's just being involved in that. And then the third step, the lifestyle or modeling it, however we want to say that. Um, I've heard it said that some of these principles we're talking about can be taught, but the living this lifestyle has, uh, has to be caught. And James, if you could read those, those last two Philippians verses for us. Philippians 4.9, the things you have heard, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And Philippians 3.17, brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. So again, it's this idea of um, following models in life. Um, and to me, this, is, this has been a critical point. When I, I kind of shared with you guys my little mini testimony with this stuff, and when I came to Christ, I, I knew that doing this process was part of what that meant for me. It was part of who I wanted uh, to be. Uh, and so as I continue in life, I want to, you know, pay that forward into the lives of my family and anybody around me that will, I guess, come along from the ride. Um, so a couple last points on this. We, we can't jump from just wanting to be discipled to being a model. I think that takes a lot of time and investing and growing over time. Uh, we also don't, as I said before, check the box and move through those steps. We, as we maybe advance through those steps, we continue doing uh, all the prior steps for the rest, uh, the rest of our life. The ongoing nature, I guess, of this lifestyle is we have people that um, move from what I've been kind of calling the formal schedule to the informal schedule over time. Uh, and so what that means is I need to be thinking about ways that I'm investing in people to, I guess I almost think of it as a pipeline of who's going to be the next guy. So if, if so-and-so is done meeting, then who am I going to kind of fill, backfill that spot with? So am I looking for the opportunities um, in all areas of my life to, to try to keep that schedule full, I guess? Um, and then lastly, and we, we talked about this earlier with the scheduling, but it means making discipleship a, a permanent priority on our schedule. Um, I have to imprint it on my schedule. I have to imprint it on my family. I need to, uh, if I can't get them to buy into it, I at least have to get them to agree to it to some um, degree uh, so that I can have it be a priority on my end. And, I mean, as Trevor told the story earlier, if, if any of us have done it, like there's just guys that struggle with their schedule. They're going to cancel. They're going to miss, whatever the case may be. That can't be on me. Uh, that can't be me. So I have to have my schedule in order um, and let them deal with theirs. So I guess before I wrap up, are there any other questions on any of that? Yeah. I don't know who's first. The question that I have is you you mentioned discipling and also being a model. Um, um, how do you know when you you are ready to disciple? 
um, especially if you're supposed to model it. Uh, I'm kind of getting a little confused with the two. Yeah. Um, well, how do you know when? That's the conclusion is when. So I'll answer that in a second. Um, I, I guess maybe to make a, a clear distinction on the modeling piece of it, I, I think it just happens in time. Um, for me, I um, there are people in a season or seasons ahead of me in life that I've just seen doing, the, like this is their life. They've been doing it for decades. Um, you know, I mentioned my parents earlier, like that, seeing that modeling, um, that's what I mean by model. So you don't, you know, we'll talk about the urgency of essentially beginning to do it now. Everybody, like Trevor said earlier, everybody in this room um, that's a believer is ready. Um, but I would just, I guess, make a distinction there between a, it takes time to develop into a model. But I do think that should be our, our goal is, is to, to be that in time, yeah. Did you? Guys? The two Philippians ones? Yeah. 4.9 and 3.17. All right, guys. Jason, y'all finished up? Uh, almost. <laughs> <laughs> One more minute. Sorry, did, you get, did I get the hook? We... Let me uh, let me just conclude. Let me just conclude with one real quick. I guess I'm done. So let me just read for you guys uh, real quick. Mark one fourteen to twenty. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, "The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel." As he was going along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea. For they were fishermen, and Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they dropped their nets and followed him. Going a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat, and with the hired servants, uh, and went away to follow him. So, I don't know if a word jumped out to you guys there, but the word immediately jumps out to me. Um, these were the guys that Jesus sought out to be his disciples. They immediately began uh, in the process with him. So I guess I'll leave you with that. Um, begin immediately. So let me just say for the three groups uh, real quick, if you're in that modeling group, I hope you've been encouraged. I hope uh, maybe you can grab a new guy this weekend. If you've not yet discipled a man, um, I think we've got some guys here that haven't been discipled yet. Try to get one. And if you're one of the guys that just hasn't done it yet, just ask somebody. And uh, with that, I thank you for your time tonight, guys. Yeah.